Take your Bible and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah 1. You know, I was thinking as we get closer, and you realize this, right? We get Every day we get closer to the Lord's return. Right. <laughs> every day, every moment, we get closer to the Lord's return. And as we get closer to the day that the Lord will return, it seems this way to me, it seems like, the world we live in is becoming more and more depraved. It's troubling for us, isn't it? We, uh, we may become more troubled and concerned for the culture around us, and as we do, it could be easy for us, it could be easy for any believers in Jesus to become so troubled that they, they lose hope or, or think that, Maybe God's not in control when, in fact, if we read the Bible, we know things are going to get worse before they get better. And God prepares us in many ways to help us be prepared for the challenges that we face, even in days that seem very troubling when we look at the world around us. And what I think can be most helpful for us is to learn how to rest in Christ. And I'm not talking about ceasing to work, but... I'm talking about deepening your faith in God so that you can have rest in the midst of a troubled time. Even rest in the midst of troubles that come into your life and you have to deal with maybe on a daily basis. We need to learn to rest in the power and sovereignty of God. I think the Bible makes a very strong case for resting in Christ. Trusting God fully with every area of our lives, especially during difficulties, especially during trying times. We need to have our eyes fixed on Christ, and we need to be settled in this, that God is in control, that He is at work. And we don't have to hope that He's doing something. We can know that He's doing 10,000 things. He's doing far than we can even imagine. Even in our own lives, He's not just doing one thing. And it's wonderful to have that knowledge and to be able to rest in that. Yet, even even knowing those kinds of things, we can get troubled about things going on around us or in us or in our lives or in the lives of people we love and hold dear. So we need to learn how to experience the rest and joy and strength that only comes from God as we trust in Him. And so with that thought, where do we turn when we need rest? Where do we turn? Well, I want to begin this new series of studies tonight where from the, uh, several, for several weeks at least, we look at, at passages. We're not going to look at all of Isaiah, but passages from this Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah lived about 700 years before Christ. He was a prophet. He was a faithful preacher of God's Word. God had called Isaiah to serve him through a dramatic vision. That's why I say, as I said earlier, that we're blessed to have God's Word. He speaks to us in His Word now. If we want to have God speak to us, all we need to do is open the Word and read it. But Isaiah had this dramatic vision from the Lord, and in the vision he saw the Lord seated on his throne, and he heard God calling him to be God's messenger during troubled 
times, troubling times in Judah's history, troubling times for the nation of Israel. But Isaiah was uh, facing a difficult task. In fact, he was facing a task that's very similar to almost every preacher on earth who's preaching the truth of God's word. While he faithfully preached God's word, the people of Judah refused to repent. And likely every preacher has faced this, that that as hard as he tries to preach the truth of God's word, there are always some people who will refuse to repent, who refuse to humble themselves before God. As the people of Israel heard God's message, their hearts were going to be hardened. And that's disheartening to a preacher. But Isaiah persisted. I take that and I'm encouraged by that. Isaiah persisted. Why? Because he was on a mission from God. So let's begin. I want to start, just read a few verses here in chapter 1, and then we're going to move on to a later chapter. But let's begin in Isaiah chapter 1, where we get a glimpse of this in the first five verses. The hardness of Israel's heart. Look at verses 1 through 5 in Isaiah 1. The vision of Isaiah... The son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. That's kind of a bleak picture, isn't it? And yet, when I look at my life, I see myself in those verses at times. Maybe you can identify with the kind of rebellion that Isaiah was dealing with and would be dealing with. What we're going to learn through our studies here in Isaiah is that God offers rest. God offers comfort, even during troubling times. But we must turn to Him if we want His rest. We must turn to Him. He is our one true source of rest. But if we ignore God, if we rebel against God. He will not give us His perfect rest. It would not be for our good if He did give us rest while we were rebelling against Him. It is because He is a gracious and loving God that He doesn't let us have rest while we're rebelling. And we can see that here in Isaiah in the first half of the book the coming judgment of God upon Judah because of their sins. It's foretold. God's judgment is coming. They're going to rebel and God is going to judge. It's it's foretold in the first half of the book. And then in the last half of Isaiah, God sends a message of rest, a message of hope. 
And the message of rest included the fact that God was going to restore them to the land and He was going to send His servant, the Messiah, to atone for sins. So now I want you to take uh, your Bible and turn to chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40. And what I want to consider tonight is that there is a promised rest for all of God's people. Just as God promised rest for the children of Israel, God promises rest for all of His children. You know, it may be that this is a timely reminder for you. Although there's likely never a bad time to hear this message that God offers us rest, comfort. He will always be ready to give us the rest that we need, and we will always need to remember this wonderful truth. In troubling times, we need to remember to look to the One who alone is able and can give us and is willing to give us rest when we turn to Him. It's a warning to us also when we learn that in Isaiah's day, it was a time when the people sinned greatly by forgetting God. They got so wrapped up in themselves, they forgot God. And that's a warning to us that we ought not let that happen to us. And so God sent the people a strong message by way of the prophet Isaiah. It's a message that we will do well to listen to and heed today. So first of all, let's never forget that there is rest for God's people. There's this promised rest. So look at Isaiah 40 as I read verses 1 through 5. And I just love how chapter 40 starts. In the English Standard Version, it starts out with two, two words. Comfort, comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. A double blessing. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Comfort, comfort my people. God tells Isaiah to speak comfort, comfort. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. When there's trouble, when there's hurting, any rest is welcome. It reminds me just a little bit of, it seemed to be there used to be a time, and it wasn't that many years ago, I remember seeing if you traveled on a holiday weekend on the interstate, you would see at the rest areas something special. It, 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 you ever remember seeing these? If you ever traveled on a, on a holiday weekend on the interstate, you would stop at a rest area and they would have like a coffee wagon. I don't know if they serve donuts or something like that, but they would have a coffee wagon, a, a little something extra in the midst of the oasis of traveling amongst a bunch of angry people trying to get somewhere to have fun. <laughs> 
God's rest is far better than the little coffee oasis at the rest area on the highway. Far, far better than that. When there's trouble, when you're hurting, any rest is welcome. It was the same for the people in Isaiah's day. They had forgotten God. They had wandered into disobedience. In the process, they had turned away from God. They were doing their own thing. The nation was in decline. Their lives were troubled because they had turned their back on God. But God was gracious. Oh, we have a gracious God, don't we? God was gracious. He sent them a messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) The messenger is, is likely a blessing from God. If he's bringing you the good news of God's word. The prophet Isaiah had been given a message from God for the people, a message of hope in the midst of their trouble. We hear it in verse 1, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Now that Babylonian captivity for God's people was yet to come, but God had sent a message of comfort and a promise of rest. God has plans for His covenant people Israel. They may be taken captive, but that does not mean God had cast them off. He will never cast them off. It's amazing at times to see how patient God is, isn't it? I hope you're amazed by that at times. You you look at your life and realize how stutter step sometimes your spiritual life is and think, boy, God is so patient. He will even wait for us when we turn our back on Him. Note that he does not force himself on Israel. But he sends a messenger. He sends a messenger to remind them that he is there to help them. He's there to give them comfort, to give them rest if they will turn to him. If they'll turn from their sinful ways. If they'll turn to faith and trusting in him. But we know how stubborn Israel was. And that's us at times. We get stiff-necked and stubborn. We get set in our ways. It's it's just the way I am, we say. (laughs) We keep doing our own thing and, and often we suffer for it. When we turn our back on God and we refuse to change in an area that We're sensing He wants us to change and we're just stubborn and stiff-necked and we say, that's just the way I am. We suffer for it. But He is patient. And He is patient for a reason. We hear this sobering reminder in Romans 2.4, Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. How good God is. How gracious He is to be patient with us because He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn from our wicked ways and turn to Him in faith and then to walk with Him in obedience. And while God is patient, we can be grateful that He will often send messengers to remind us of His promises. I'm so thankful for faithful preachers of God's Word who have preached 
the gospel, preach the word of God, who have been messengers to me. There have been times when I've been so far from God that sometimes God uses my own family members to literally come and knock on my door to plead with me to do the right thing when I was so far from the Lord. What a blessing that God sends messengers. And here's Israel with Isaiah, God's messenger. We heard this reminder from Matthew eleven twenty eight in our prayer time on Wednesday. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In this situation, God sent Isaiah to appeal to Israel to turn to God, to repent, to obey. Isaiah's message from God was one of hope. God had charged him to speak with kindness and tenderness. That's that's the sense we get. Comfort, comfort, my people, says the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 2, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That's an interesting statement, and you need to slow down and think about that one for a moment to get it. <laughs> right? Little, it's a little puzzling. It's like, wait, what? I thought you just said comfort, comfort. It almost sounds like they're going to get double, double punishment. But no, it's actually double blessing. Compared to their sins, God is blessing them far more than their sins were, were worthy of being judged, even though our sins are, are fully worthy of being judged by God. There's a powerful reminder here for God's people today that as sinful as we are, God is far more gracious than even the depths of our sin through the sacrifice of God the Son for our sins. God poured out His just and righteous wrath on His sinless and perfect Son. And to a people who are going to turn their back on God, He was certainly patient and long-suffering to send them this message of peace this message of comfort, this message of rest. But there would be no peace for them if they refused to turn to Him, if they instead turned their back on God and they were rebellious. And we know that they were. Well, there would be days of difficult punishment for them. But here's this message of hope. Here's this message from God through His messenger Isaiah. So Isaiah challenged the people to straighten up, head straight to God, where He alone would give them rest. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. A voice cries. And then we have this message in quotes here. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Do you notice when you drive on the interstate, the big wide interstates when there's two, you know, four lanes, two going in opposite directions or sometimes three going in opposite directions through a hilly place, especially around here where we live, we can see it really clearly that there are hilly hillsides around the highways and there's this flat highway going through. We think, 
do you ever stop to think how that happened or you just drive? I'm, I'm weird. I'm weird and I look and I think this is impressed. I'm always impressed. I'm always impressed because I know how much work it is to just move a little bit of dirt with a shovel. <laughs> and I think, my word, look at these mountains turned flat. So this highway could go in so that we could travel easily without having to go up too steep a grade and down too steep a grade, going around too tight a turn. Sometimes you go right through the mountain. Yes. <laughs> Drill a hole through the mountain, right? To a people who were going to turn their back on God, he was certainly patient and long-suffering with them. This voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. There's another powerful reminder in these verses. God was repairing his people for the arrival of the Messiah. And they would actually have a part in preparing the way if they would repent of their sins and follow God. Do you realize that's a very similar opportunity that we have today? To prepare the way for our God, to prepare the way for the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has come. That's why we want to make the Scriptures clear when we teach it. We don't want to muddle them with, with too much of our opinion. We want to, to say, this is what the Bible says. And get out of the way of the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of people who, who are having the way made plain for them and the, and the hilly ground made level and filling up the valleys so that they can get straight to Christ in faith. Today it's our job to prepare our hearts for God when we think about our own lives. We've got to prepare our own hearts to quickly and easily receive what God says to us in His Word without resistance, without saying, no, that's just the way I am. I cannot or I will not change. We need to say, oh God, help me. Help me to honor you. Help me to change. Help me to be the person that you want me to be. It's our job to prepare our hearts for God today. We do that when, when at first we trust in Christ. That's that first act of humility when we say, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And we keep doing that as believers when we keep pursuing the truth of the Bible, humbling ourselves before God's Word, yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit as He uses the Word in our hearts. If Israel would repent, they would be inviting God to lead their lives. And you realize that's what, that's what our repentance needs to be. When we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of our sins, we need to be repenting and turning from our sinful ways and turning to God in faith so that He will lead our lives. And even if it takes a long time, like it does for us, to change us and make us the people He wants us to be, He, he moves in and works in our hearts. If Israel would repent, they would be asking God to lead their lives. Noted in verse 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If they would repent, they would see the glory of God revealed to them. They would see God show up and work in their lives. And today, 
If we have no rest ourselves, it may be that we've forgotten God. It may be that we're choosing to do our own thing. It may be that we're not being faithful. We're not being obedient to the Scriptures. You realize that a lack of comfort, or might, or might we say a, a discomforting in our lives, we're, dis, we're uncomfortable, and not because there's an itchy tag in a collar or something like that, but we're uncomfortable because we're dissatisfied with life. You realize that often that's a re- the reason for that is because we're not following God's commands, that we're not doing what God has called us to do. A lack of comfort, a lack of rest in our lives when we're failing to be obedient is actually the hand of God's mercy on us. It would not be good for us if God let us have rest while we were ignoring His Word, ignoring His teaching, rebelling against Him, turning our backs on Him. And so God is gracious. That's why we have reminders like the one we hear in Hebrews 3.13. And today we're like, we can be like Isaiah for each other. <laughs> Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day as long as it, is called, as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We're here to encourage each other toward Christ. To watch out for each other's souls to watch out for one another's spiritual lives, not look the other way when somebody's struggling, but to come alongside and encourage them toward Christ, toward obedience, toward the word of truth. I suppose each of us can likely think of a time when we've suffered because we're not walking with the Lord. You think of a time in your life like that when you later realized, the reason I'm miserable is because I'm running from God. I'm doing my own thing in spite of what I know I should be doing to please the Lord. Well, we should never forget that God was patient with us in those times. He wasn't mean by refusing us peace. He wasn't mean by refusing us rest. He was patient with us. In those times, He was patient and we should always trust Him to help us as He proves Himself powerful in our difficulties now when we do turn to Him and we do trust in Him and we do walk in His ways. This is also a powerful testimony to the watching world. We've talked about this often in our study in Philippians and in our series on unity to think about how God works in us to point other people to the Lord Jesus Christ when we walk with Him, when we're obedient to Him. Now go to verses 25 and 26 here in Isaiah 40. And we need to know this. To have rest, we need to to remember who God is. To have rest, we need to remember who God is. Verses 25 and 26, Isaiah 40. To whom then will you compare me? that I should be like Him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, 
calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. He's talking about the starry hosts of heaven. One of the joys of spending a few years in northern Michigan where there's hardly a yard light for miles and miles. If you go far enough north, there's no unnatural light. It's only natural light. And in a really clear, cold, starry night, it is incredible how clear the sky is and how many stars there are. And yet it says here, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. I heard that you can have, you know, you can pay somebody to name a star for you. Or <laughs> God's already got them named. He's already done that. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Can we just admit right here that it is foolish to turn our backs on God? who is almighty and powerful, who is in control. And if we're going to have the rest that only God can give, if we're going to have the comfort from God that only He provides, we've got to know in our hearts. That's what I mean by know who God is. We've got to have this firmly fixed in our hearts, in our minds, our hearts. We need to know this through the wisdom of God's Word, but we need to take it personally and believe this, that God is mighty to help me. He is in control of what's going on around me. God cannot be compared with anyone or anything in this world. And just like God cannot be compared with anything in this world, God has called His people to be set apart and different so that we cannot be compared to the world. And the truth is that if we are following God, we will be different. We won't be able to help it. And that's a good thing. The watching world won't be able to miss that we are different. And God's purpose is in, in this is that it's not so that people around us will go, wow, what great people, those Chardon Baptist Church people. What great people. No. The purpose is so that they'll say, how great is their God? How awesome is their God? And awesome in a, in a god honoring way not awesome like we say awesome about or like i say about bacon and ice cream <laughs> but no be far beyond that's that's just ridiculous compared to how awesome god is and that's what god wants the world to say when they see our faith in him and the rest that we can have even in the midst of trying and hard life experiences that are extremely difficult, that we would rest in God and, and that the world would look at us and go, what an awesome God. And God is awesome. God is great. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth. He names the stars and He's the only one who can keep track of them. And if God can keep track of the stars in the sky, He can certainly care for the needs of His children here on earth. And He can certainly give us rest when we need it most. There's one more thing to note here. 
If God is the only one who can truly give us rest, God is also the only one who can restore our strength. Look at verses 29 through 31. He gives power to the faint. Verse 29, He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You love that passage, don't you? I love that passage. And yet, let's remember that this is not necessarily talking about physical strength, physical endurance, physical... Shall we mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not be faint? As we get older, it's harder to, to walk you know, from the living room to the kitchen without being weary. And yet, in our faith, in our walk with Christ, God wants us to continually grow and grow and mature and more mature and get stronger and stronger and stronger as we continue to grow in our faith in Him, in His might, so that we see verse 29 and realize He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, He increases strength. And yes, we know even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord, those who trust in God, those who turn to Him in faith and and seek to walk with Christ obediently, the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How foolish of us when we try to live this life in our own strength and try to fabricate our own rest How foolish we are to try to live this life in our own weak strength and in our own faulty wisdom, thinking our ways are better than God's ways. It would be funny if it weren't sad. And I, um, I think of my own life as, a, as an example of how sad it can be when you resist God's ways. And you can probably think of examples from your own life also. But know this, when we're at the end of our resources, God is still there. And He has an unlimited supply of help, strength, wisdom. This hope that we hear sounded out. An unlimited supply of hope and rest. He gives rest. He also restores our strength to walk with Him. And so the question for us is, will we turn to God Will we turn away from our own ways, turning to God in faith, daily, trusting Him? Will we turn to God or will we turn away from God when we need Him most? And it saddens my heart when I see someone struggling and they choose to turn away from God and turn away from God's family and turn away from the Word and turn away from prayer. This is why I gladly will preach on a subject like this, not because I think we're all in the depths of depravity and needing uh, much rest, but there may be a day that comes, or it could be that you're in the midst of one. 
that you need to remember, remind yourself, preach to yourself. Do not turn away from God. Turn to God. Turn to His Word. He gives rest to those who trust in Him, who walk in His ways, who honor Him, who trust Him with their whole heart. He will not fail you. He will never fail you. And He will never fail to give you rest when you trust Him with your life. And that's what God calls us for. He, he calls to us and says, give me your life. Give me your whole life. Trust me with everything. We need help for that, don't we? And I am so grateful that we have God's Word to encourage us. That's why I encourage you to be in God's Word. Strengthen your life on the foundation of God's Word. Read the Word. Pray the Word back to God. Thank Him for the wisdom that He gives you there. Thank Him that He gives you this promise of rest. And as we dig even deeper into the wonderful truths that we have here, I trust that as a a people will grow in this and our knowledge and understanding of who God is and grow even deeper in our faith as we seek to honor God with our lives. I hope that's your, your desire. It's my desire and my desire for you.